0: Good morning. Good to see everybody. It's a sleepy crowd this morning. I know I'm a little bit sleep deprived. We had our uh, lock-in this weekend. That's always a, <laughs> a lot of sleep deprivation for <laughs> a couple of days. But a great, great time. We had Had a great group of kids and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of memories made at those things. And people that are here I'm sure that have been part of those, uh, remember those as well. Today we're going to um, be in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, going all the way. We, we've been in the, the last book of the Bible for several weeks, and now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning and uh, talk about uh, Abraham today, this great leader uh, of faith. And specifically, the events surrounding his call by God. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, For those who like to read in advance for next week, the lesson will be out of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Before we get into the the lesson, uh, I think the the lesson writer here doesn't mention it, but I think it's important for us to review a little bit about um, how how did God call the patriarchs, and how did God call the apostles during the first century, um, and then how did God does God call us now? Because that that word calling is is used in various ways uh, to describe certain things uh, religious. I guess uh, sometimes it's a feeling that somebody has. Uh, sometimes people think today that they're actually prompted by God. There are people today that claim they audibly hear God. Is that, is that the case? So I think it's important for us to review how does, how does God call us versus how he called those that we see in, in the Scripture. But going all the way back to the patriarchal time, how did God call them? Okay, maybe audibly with a voice, in a vision, or in a dream. Okay, We're going to see a couple of different things today in this passage that pertain to that. But yeah, usually God would come to the person in a physical representation, maybe what we would call a, a theophany. That's just a fancy word to describe a physical presence of God appearing to someone. Sometimes... Uh, people think that these are actually in the in the Old Testament, um, in the, in this one this particular call here of Abraham, that it's actually a Christophany. What would that be? It's Jesus. Yes, that it's a, a physical representation of Jesus appearing to this Old Testament person, and that it was because ultimately, who is the the promise of Abraham going to come through? I mean, what's the whole? reason god is choosing abraham and starting to to whittle down who who he's going to choose to be his chosen man and then his chosen people ultimately what's the the end of that Jesus comes. yeah the fact that christ would come through this lineage and that uh, he would uh, come to be the savior of the world uh, so god had specific callings in the patriarchal time he spoke to them we we think of that, I've used this example before, we think of that as like a, a starlight period where it's just God's revealed a little bit of His truth, His promises, but it's still a dim idea of really how God's going to work through mankind. Um, so He, he makes a, a physical appearance or maybe an appearance in a, in a vision. Then how, how did God call during the Mosaic period? Okay. OK, so he, he went specifically to them again, didn't he? Through, he, went, he appeared or, or would audibly, um, they say something to a prophet, and uh, with, oftentimes other people wouldn't hear it. So how would they know whether or not the prophet had been called by God? How would they know? What's that? Okay possibly through their ability to do miracles like in the case, cases of Elijah Elisha there's uh what else though How would they know that the prophet truth was true and that he had been called by God Because if he were most of the time if it was like something that they said this is going to happen the next covenant lived that verse but then when it seen actually happens Yeah yeah, yeah, real. That's, that was the proof of a prophet, wasn't it? If he, what he said came true, then you knew he was a, a, a true prophet, not a false prophet. And so um, God used the same kind of idea to, to call during the Mosaic period. Then what about the calling of the apostles during the first century? How did God call them? Yes. Okay, so it's Christ, a physical representation of God, God in the flesh on the earth, going directly to these individuals and calling them to come. Please come, follow me. He physically went to them and asked them that. So throughout the ages, that's how God has operated. But why not now? Does God... Today, does God go individually to us and and call us to be his followers? How does God call today? What's the difference? Through his word. Absolutely. Yeah, so faith today, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, word of Christ. And so we accept that Christian calling through hearing the word of God. We're convicted to follow him because of what we read, what we study. And we respond to that call, um, and today, because we we have God operates like that with us today, um, we need to to be suspicious, really, of of people, especially teachers, that claim they've been called by God. God appeared to them, and and physically called them, uh, because God God does not do that any longer. He doesn't call men in the way that he has in the past, in the other dispensations, other times. The, uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis look at humanity broadly, uh, from creation and through the fall. After the flood, uh, Genesis 6 through 10, the text lists the descendants of Noah's son Shem, And this genealogy culminated with Terah, the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Terah outlived Haran, the father of Lot. Terah's other sons, Abram and Nahor, were both married. However, Abram and his wife, Sarah, were unable to conceive. The family, we're told, lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. This ancient Mesopotamian city was located on the banks of the Euphrates River, and modern archaeology has provided insight into this city being very wealthy and that it had a lot of pagan idol practices. Uh, but this family did not stay there. Uh, ultimately, they, they end up leaving. Um, Tara, Abram, Sarah, Lot, they, continue, they go toward the way of Canaan, and they end up in a place called Haran, and Abram's father dies there in Haran. Today's scripture uh, continues narrowing the focus of God working with a specific man, a specific family, and highlights this family of Abram, who ultimately, later on in his life, what does his name become? We all know him as Abraham. But at this point in time, before God calls him, he's still referred to as Abram in the Scripture. This uh, chapter begins the Old Testament history of the chosen people of God. So let's, uh, let's start here, verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. As the Lord addressed Abram, the focus uh, of the text turns to the life of this one man. Uh, what had just happened? I mean, scanning back in in the scripture, or a little bit earlier in Genesis. Tower of Babel. Okay, the Tower of Babel is is recorded there, and what, as a result of that circumstance, what happens to mankind? Dispersed all over the earth. Okay, God confuses their language. Right. That's the, kind of the first indication that there's different language groups that were on the earth, and then they're, they're dispersed all over the earth in order to, to live in different places. Uh, there's a lot in that chapter, and again, a whole lot of histor- historical account of that chapter and, and what went on there. Um, but the point is, this is how people groups ended up leaving that one centralized area, and spread out and became more of uh, like a nomad-type culture. And uh, in this ancient time, that's how we, we find that many people groups lived in tents, and they would move from place to place, and their family. It wasn't uncommon for them to do this sort of thing, is like Abraham's family, uh, Tara, his family, they, where they would move around, go to different places, and they would take everything they owned with them. And then when they got to the new place, they set up their fancy tent. It was like, like kind of like glamping today. <laughs> they have these real uh, high-end tents, and they, they set them up out in the middle of nowhere, and then set up a fancy uh, you know, camping situation. Uh, so these were mobile homes. Their first mobile homes, I guess we could say. But they, um, in this this passage here, it it goes from the broad focus of mankind and what God just did to, to disperse mankind all over the earth and confuse the, the language of the people. Now he's narrowing it down to this is who I'm going to work through and the family that I'm going to work through to bring about the redemption of the world. The, the text gives no clues regarding the way through which God spoke all that is noted is that God called Abram. That God told Abram to go emphasizes that he expects his command to be followed. He, he wants Abram to, to leave this country. To, he says to leave his people or his kinsmen, to leave his father's household. In the ancient world, a person's identity and social standing were directly attached to their family and their family lineage. So for Abram, what did this mean? To, to leave his country, to leave his family, to leave his father's house? What, what, was this, what was God asking him to do? There's a lot more to it than just the physical asking or, or the, the, the command here. What, what is it? What's that? Okay, in some respect, yeah. Uh, completely lost his identity there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the all the the history associated with his, his family. He's leaving that. He's potentially leaving some form of inheritance. You know, maybe they had land or, or herds or something. Um, and uh, God's asking him to do that. What else? Yeah. Like off, you know, his that he knows. Yeah, yeah, cutting off ties of the people that you know. Um, in this type of culture, it would have been very important for them to, to have protection and so there's no there's no king there's no uh, there were kings I guess there, we should say there were kings of certain areas kind of, they were tri- more like tribal kings, but they're very localized in in their rules so, but there's not a, a king that's ruler over a humongous area and he 's got this massive army and he 's going to protect you as one of his subjects so the, the families had to offer their own protection they, and we're going to read a little bit about that with Abram and how he had to go and rescue Lot at one point and, and he's, he's got enough wealth and enough men working for him he puts together his own army and they go after and, and uh, defeat this enemy and he's able to bring Lot back um, yeah what are you going to say? yeah Yeah, yeah he could have, it could have brought shame on him, could have brought shame on his family um, because the, of the, the identity that is, there is associated with the, the family unit. Claims on his inheritance, family responsibilities were directly tied to the family lineage. So there were individuals he was just immediately responsible for because he was part of this family. God called Abram to leave his father's household and called him to a new identity. And as he followed God's command, Abram would demonstrate trust, even if uncertainties remained. Uh, Let's turn over to Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, and uh, we'll get someone, if someone could read verses 2 through 4. Great. <clears throat> right. Acts seven verses two through four. Okay, I'm to go ahead and read that. Okay, so did he leave immediately? According to this passage, did he did he leave his father's household immediately and go? Okay, well he he left, but did he leave his father's household immediately? Now there there are some. Um, this is a, a, a little bit of a contentious point, I guess, with regard to to Abraham and. Uh, there, there are some, and I, I, I have thought about this as well, um, where you know, Abram, he didn't leave his father's house immediately, and so some say that's why he experienced some other issues with with regard to um, uh, how he had to deal with lots issues um, and. That's why God had to come to him twice, which we're going to see again in, in chapter 15. God had to come to him a second time and, and tell him and remind him of this promise. Um, but there were a lot of responsibilities that he had. And the Scripture doesn't tell us specifically um, that uh, in, in chapter 12, God doesn't say the, the opposite. He doesn't say, well, don't, don't take Terra with you. Um, so there, there is some indication here that maybe he, he suffered some of the, the things that he went through because he didn't obey God exactly with regard to this command and do it immediately. And so I guess there's a lesson there for us that when God ask, commands us to do something, he expects us to do it immediately and exactly. And we, we expect that from our children, don't we? When we give our kids a command, what would, what do we expect? Do it immediately, exactly, without challenge and complaint, right? And and if they do it, then it's a benevolent dictatorship and things are fine, right? But when we delay and, and when we don't do it immediately, we don't do it exactly how God has said to do it, then there's frustration, there's... You know, uh, other issues that can stem from that. So I guess that, as far as a, a, a lesson that we can gain from from this, um, just the the knowledge that he didn't he didn't leave his father's household immediately, and there there is even though it doesn't say again that uh, that don't take Hera with you. He he, God does say, leave your father's household. Okay. So there is the possibility here that it caused some other issues with Abraham because he didn't obey God immediately exactly and do as he had said. Let's read over to um, let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter eleven. Abraham mentioned in this great faith chapter of Hebrews chapter eleven. If somebody could read verses 8 through 10, Hebrews 11, okay, verses 8 through 10. Architect and builder is okay. So in this, in this account, in this situation, um, does, it, does it mention that he went to Haran with his father, Terah, and then he, then he left again? That out. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, did he do what God asked him to do? Yeah, he did. And that's why he's remembered as a hero of the faith. yeah very all these for the arc. Mm-hmm. So, the Possibly, have yeah, the family care. could potentially. We no, yeah. don't know what sort of position they were in. Maybe Tara was sick. Or maybe yeah. We we're not yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of things we're not told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another another factor to consider here. Um, it, yes, you know there are there is a possibility that they wanted to go with him, but um, another potential factor is, like I said in the, in the introduction, is that this area was known as a an idol worshipping pagan area, and there's a reason why his father was settled there. Their family obviously didn't have a problem with it. And we see later on who, who is still struggling with that later on. that ends up the, One of the people that ends up going with him, who, who still struggles with the idol? Yeah, Lot struggles with leaving the, the idol worshiping, the very, the very pagan, very horrible situation in Sodom. And, um, and his wife struggles with it. Ultimately, what happens to his wife? Okay, so they they were still sympathetic, you know, to a lot of these pagan worship, you know, idol worshipping type practices, and, and very horrible, sinful things. And so, I think part of this too is leave your father's household because you need to leave that that false religion behind. I'm calling you to follow me. You're going to follow the Almighty God, Creator of the universe, and. Abraham pledges his, uh, his faith and trust in uh, the God of the Bible rather than these idol-worshiping gods that um, his family would have been surrounded by in that particular land. And so he, he had to leave physically. And, and uh, there's another lesson in that for us, is, too, is when we decide to follow God's call through the Scripture today we may have to leave some things that are uncomfortable for us to leave. There may be family influences, there may be friend influences, there may, there may be uh, physical situations we have to leave from. If someone has been working in a bar for 10 years and they hear the gospel, they're convicted, and they become a Christian, can you really continue to work in that environment? Yes or no? <laughs> I'd say no. <laughs> yeah, because it, what's associated with it? Yeah, it's, sin, it's all kinds of sinful practices. And, and the people that are going there, they're not going there to hear about Christianity. So it's gonna, it's very, it may be a difficult situation. You may have to leave a job. You may have to stop hanging around. For, and even Jesus said that, didn't he? said, you have to be willing to love me more than even your father and your mother, your, your, your children, your family, okay? you, we have to be willing to, to do what's needed to, to follow God faithfully, to be a, completely obedient uh, to his will. So Abram probably did struggle with some of those things, but ultimately he's remembered. Yeah, you were going to say Yeah. Yeah, Lot's father did yeah. Maybe the other brother had no interest in helping he was I don't know, but Yeah, while he was alive, Tara would have yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we're not given a lot of specifics. Um, but what we need to remember is what's recorded for us in Hebrews eleven, that he did ultimately go. He did ultimately he did obey. There were struggles along the way, just like there are with us when we don't obey God completely and exactly. And God disciplines us. You know, discipline at the time isn't, isn't very pleasing, is it? The Scripture says it's not, it's not a pleasing thing to be in the middle of a, a disciplinary situation. But in the end, what does it produce? Yeah, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So sometimes God has to discipline us through hard situations. And I think that's part of what Abraham went through here in learning to trust God, learning to to keep his faith in God. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, So Abram would not have to face trials alone. God would give protection as he would curse all people that cursed Abram. As a result, God's blessing would continue for generations. God's choice was not to the exclusion and rejection of other people. The Apostle Paul interpreted God's promise of blessing to apply also to people who express faith in Jesus Christ. Further, this blessing included making salvation available to all people regardless of ancestry through Abram's seed. Um, Ultimately, how would all peoples be blessed through Abraham or through Abram? What's that? Yes, that the Messiah would come. And how do we know that? Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Um, let's read verses 26 through 29. Can somebody read that? Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Okay, good. See how he connects the two there? So it's, if you're in Christ, you're also a part of the promise that God gave to Abraham. And you're, because you're Abraham's seed, meaning that you're an heir. Once you become a follower of Christ and you're found in Christ, which comes after our, according to verse 27, when is that? After we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. So now God sees us as an heir according to the promise that he gave abram abram all the way back in this passage now did uh, he says i will bless those who bless you and whoever curse you i will curse all peoples on earth will be blessed through you did the did the patriarchs know about christ did the patriarchs know about christ Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because of what the prophecy was going all the way back to Genesis chapter three. Um, what? How else do we know? Did the did the prophets know about Christ in Hebrews chapter eleven? If you turn back to there. Hebrews chapter 11, we're we're told about all these different people who by faith did these things. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak. It goes on and on about all these different people. In verse 39, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. What was it that they had been promised? Ultimately. We have to infer through, through reading the Scripture, they had been promised something much better, didn't they? Much better than this world. And it tells us in um, verses, verse 14 of that same chapter, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Uh, He talks about a longing for a better country, a heavenly country. So many think that this Hebrews 11 chapter is in here to point out those who had faith, not just in faith, the faith of, of God, because they've been called by God, but they had faith in Christ as well, because ultimately that's who's going to make it possible for them to be in heaven one day. And so there, through, through what we read in this Hebrews 11 chapter, many think that the, the patriarchs did know about Christ, that this promise that God gave Abram to, that your descendants would be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand on the seashore, God revealed to them His plan. This is what's going to happen ultimately. You know, I'm going to, my son's going to come. They, and they had faith in the fact that that would happen. Because did Abram ever see descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore? As numerous as the stars in the sky? How else would he know that God had fulfilled his promise? He didn't physically see his, those descendants. So God, God revealed to these patriarchs his plan, what he was doing. And many think that the list that we have in and Hebrews 11 is there because these individuals specifically believed in this promise that the Messiah would come and that ultimately all peoples would be blessed uh, through the promise that God gave to Abram. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. One might expect Abram to have discussed the issue with God or provided some kind of uh, feedback. Like, well, why, God? Why do you want me to do this? Um, but there's no record of that. He just did it. He obeyed. He set out He packed things up, left, showed faith and trust in God, and uh, he didn't renounce those promises. By allowing Lot to go with him, Uh, Abram could have been acting, again, uh, out of compassion for for Lot, not having a father. But we do also see, the other side of it, that Lot caused a lot of issues uh, for Abraham later on. Um, I mentioned one earlier where he had to go and rescue him because he got involved with an enemy, and Abram had to take his own army and to go and bring him back. Remember, what, what happened, to when they, were, they came to uh, a, a land where they, they needed to, to part? What, what happened? Remember that circumstance? They, they saw a, a nicer area over here and then a not-so-great area over here, and what, what happened? Lot picked the good area. Yeah, Lot picked the good area, and he ends up going that way. And then Abram, Abraham ends up going the opposite way. And then there's kind of a tense situation there because of that. And then ultimately Lot's bad choices leads him to be in a bad situation as well. So Abram had to suffer a lot of issues because he took Lot along with him. Verse 5 says he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. while God, God called Abram specifically, um, the call could have included more than him alone um, because he's here taking his wealth, his extended household, and all they had on the trip. Abram's journey for the land of Canaan brought the, the travelers to Moreh at Shechem, it tells us in verse 6. We're going to skip down to verse 7. It says... Um, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So they come to this new land um, that the Lord had given to him. The means by which God appeared here is, uh, is not really said to us. But this particular appearance, some think, again, this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. The content of God's declaration reveals a new aspect of the previously given promises, the manner through which Abram would become a great nation. So how is it? How does God reveal that Abram's going to become a great nation? Physically, in this, this Scripture. Verse 7. How does how is he going to become a great nation? This is what gives us the first indication God's going to, to have a specific people group that He's going to work with. Anybody? Yeah, through his through his children, through his offspring. And so this becomes an important aspect of Abram's life because. Does he have any children yet? No. He's about 75 years old at this point. He's probably already thinking, how is this going to happen, God? How are you going to to use me physically to bring... I don't have any children yet. And so he builds an altar, even, even though he doesn't understand completely how God's going to do this, he builds an altar there um, in this foreign land for the Lord. And this act of building an altar... In response to God's words, other cultures built altars to pagan gods, but Abram did not reuse a pagan altar. He builds a new altar, we're told. And by doing so, he announces that the focus of his worship is going to be on God and God alone. We have a few more minutes. Let's turn over to chapter 15. Because they're now in the land, God's called him this first, this first time, and they, they've They've come, they've come to um, this, this land of Haran. And now that they've set out from that land. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. Abram I am your shield your very great reward so Abram's first interactions in the land were challenging for a time Abram and Lot lived separately and you can read about this in Genesis 13 and 14 the two are reunited when Abram saved Lot from captivity and additionally Abram met with a mysterious king anybody remember what his name is Melchizedek, yes. So it's at this time, too, when he meets with this, this king, Melchizedek. And one of the important things to, to think about with regard to Melchizedek, not only is he mentioned over in Hebrews and uh, referenced as, uh, in the regard to Christ being as part of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is a priesthood that goes back before the law. Um, but Melchizedek is important also because it shows that it's not only Abraham that has been exposed to the one true Almighty God. Uh, Because there are some that could say, well, Abram just thought up the idea of God. But that's not true because we see Melchizedek as well being a priest um, and who also is following Almighty God, the God of the Bible. God promised to be Abram's shield, and it shows God's care and protection for his people. In a dangerous new land, Abram could take comfort in God's protection. And during an encounter with the king of Sodom, Abram refuses riches and financial gain from that king. But Abram did not want to depend on wealth of others. Instead, he trusted that the Lord himself would be his very great reward. There's an interesting phrase in that that verse one says, do not be afraid. What is it? Why? Why does God have to remind him of this? What is it that Abram is afraid of? Think about what he's gone through, what he's where he's at, what he's left, what God's promised. What is it that he's afraid of? What's that? He made the wrong <laughs> that he made the wrong choice. Yeah, here I am. I'm 75 years old. And my wife's she's too old already to have children. But God, how God gonna make this happen? Right? I'm in a foreign land. I don't have any protection. Right? I've this left my my family, my history, everything. I my identity. <clears throat> Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Like. Yeah. And you, start to feel like you make the in Yeah. Yeah. You, gee, uh, Katie, that's that's uh, that's the the idea that we're going going for here uh, to end on is that ultimately this, we find ourselves in similar circumstances as Abram in life um, where we've gone through difficulty and we don't ha- have any idea. How is God going to use this? Us? How is he going to use me? But we have the promise that he's always with us. And you know, where, where in the New Testament. Do we have a similar promise that God's going to, to be with us? He's going to protect us. Where do we find that? I'll give you a hint. Matthew. I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, I will be, lo, I am with you always till the very end of the age. God's always promised to be with his people, to protect his people. And Abram is a great example of how he didn't know exactly how God's going to use him. He didn't know where he was going to end up ultimately. How's God going to make this plan happen through me? But we see it Worked out exactly how God had planned, and in God's timing and God's way. And so that—that's our uh, our promise—is uh, found in Matthew twenty-eight verse twenty that God's going to be with us through all of life's difficulties, and um, we can trust in Him. All right, let's end with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this opportunity to to look at the life of Abram, to see the importance of your call, and that he was willing to accept that. He didn't, uh, he didn't force his hand. You didn't force him to, to do these things. Uh, but when you commanded him to go, he was obedient, and he remained faithful to you. And we know that there are many ups and downs in his life as there are in our lives, and we ask that you would give us the strength and wisdom to endure and uh, to make it through any difficulty, knowing that you are always with us. There to protect and provide for us. Uh, be with our, our service today and the rest of our time together. May it be an encouragement as uh, we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.